I mean, you know, the fentanyl ep epidemic that we see today and like all kinds of uh, issues that are related to uh, mental health is often things that can be corrected if people have the help. What's happening today is people are pulled away from their communities, their, their church, their in various ways and due to social media and, and so on and just like a massive amount of isolation yeah. uh, that that is that is leading to uh really like a a mental health epidemic i'd say and uh, and that's something that we, we all should really work on welcome to business with purpose i'm your host molly stillman of stillbeingmolly.com and the show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands companies and small businesses that are changing the world each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Dylan Dane. He is the CEO of System2, the first relationship-based technology-accelerated fitness brand that prioritizes longevity over quick-fix exercise fads. Dylan grew up in Sri Lanka, South Asia, and his family's income was less than $20 a month. Through the kindness and generosity of others, Dylan was able to move to the U.S. at the age of 20 and received a scholarship and financial aid to attend the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, where he studied computer science and physics. But his time at MIT was not always easy. As he barely spoke English and experienced social anxiety, it made it difficult for him to find friends, and he was completely overwhelmed by adapting to both a new culture and intense curriculum. This left Dylan feeling physically and mentally exhausted. After passing out during a final exam, the result of staying up multiple nights due to anxiety and depression, Dylan's professor reached out, changing the course of his life. This professor offered Dylan the chance to retake the exam under the condition that he seek help immediately for his depression. Dylan was so grateful for the support and he agreed. Fast forward, he eventually through therapy and the introduction of fitness in his life, uh, this really began a life change for him. And so through his passion for fitness and physical and mental health, in addition to his experience with uh, his time at MIT, he founded System2. I absolutely loved this conversation with Dylan. He is awesome. He is just such an incredible guy. I know that you are going to love hearing his story and all about his business. But before I get to my conversation with Dylan, I want to thank one of our partners of the show. And that is my girl, Michelle Smith at Mama Suds. Now we're heading into summertime and it is still all about using clean ingredients around your home, whether it's spring cleaning or summer cleaning, fall cleaning, winter cleaning, it is so important to be using ingredients that are clean and safe for you and your family. Mama Suds uses plants and minerals to make their products. Absolutely nothing synthetic. Michelle, the head mama at Mama Suds, has spent a crazy amount of time tracking down just the most exceptional ingredients that are safe for your family and sustainable for the planet. Mama Suds wants to inspire you to live a smart, healthy, and sustainable life that brings you joy and peace of mind. If you're new to Mama Suds, some of my personal favorite products are the Mama Suds Household Cleaner, which you can use on everything, in addition to Mama Suds Castile Soap. Both are so, so, so good. Try them out at mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Without further ado, on to my conversation with Dylan Dane. 
Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Molly. I am really inspired by uh, everything I have learned about you so far. And so I'm really excited just to hear kind of a little bit more behind the scenes of you and your story. So we're just not going to waste any time. I'm going to have you give us the Dylan 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, Let's see, where do I begin? 101. So uh, I'm Dylan. I live in San Francisco uh, today and uh, run a fitness tech startup company with the mission of bringing a personal trainer and eventually a uh, a team of coaches to to every human. And uh, it's been a long journey. It's uh, it, all, it all began a while back in in Sri Lanka, where I was born and uh, grew up in Sri Lanka. Uh, my parents are, you know, like uh, lower middle class folks in Sri Lanka. My dad was a police officer and my mom, a housewife. And uh, it was a pretty uh, wild time to to grow up uh, in in that country, because as I was uh, when I was uh, when I was a toddler, a war began that uh, affected everyone's life in, in various ways. And. And I was I spent my first twenty years of my life there, but um, it was a it was a very tumultuous uh, twenty years because of the uh, war situation affecting our own lives, and especially my my dad being a police officer, and uh, and also you know my parents were under a lot of stress economically and uh, and other other reasons, so uh, there were there were other domestic issues that uh, that I had to deal with. Um, and then, but you know, the the one thing I had going for myself was that I was always good in school. So uh, this remarkable thing happened. Uh, essentially, I got urged to apply to U.S. universities uh, by someone who worked at the uh, U.S. embassy, uh, who was a friend of a friend. And uh, and I did, and and I ended up getting into MIT, and uh, and ended up uh, moving to Boston to go to college, which was a an absolutely life changing thing in in so many ways. Just the having the opportunity to learn from incredible uh, people in their in their respective fields uh, that was it was very inspiring, and also. Uh, just uh, getting a whole new perspective. It's the first time I step in uh, on an airplane, right? And and to so to leave like uh, my my life all the way back there and and begin it all new. Um, but it was also incredibly challenging. I I went through a very dark uh, two years. The first couple of years at MIT, it was. Uh, the culture shock combined with the fact that I actually spoke very poor English or barely did really uh, and uh, and and catching up to all of that while trying to keep up with a pretty intense curriculum was was very uh, quite insane hmm. and uh, but then again I someone that took interest in me really one of my professors noticed that uh, I seemed to be struggling in a in a very almost dangerous way, I'd say. And, um, and he made sure that I got help, um, got, got, uh, start seeing a counselor and, 
getting a lot of help around working on myself, working on my mental health and physical health. So that was, again, like a huge turning point. And so I started this journey uh, with the help of, you know, my therapist primarily, but also other people in my life to better myself, really deal with a lot of the circumstances uh, that I was in, the challenges that I was facing, but also at the time, but also a lot of baggage, trauma, et cetera, from, from childhood that all of us have in a way. And, um, and that's been this uh, lifelong journey to uh, learn how to live better, happier, and also, you know, have a positive impact on the world. And then uh, since then, I've, uh, I graduated, I moved to San Francisco, I started a company um, that did quite well, and we got acquired by Google. And then uh, I've started a couple more companies since then. And uh, it's all in all in tech. And uh, the latest iteration of all that is uh, something I'm very passionate about, as I uh, said earlier, to bring the type of coaching and support that I had uh, to, to a lot more people. So working on that now. And uh, yeah, that that might be, is that a good uh, yeah, one? Yeah, I'd say that's a good uh, kind of, I mean, you're being very humble, I, I have to say, um, that do you just kind of, uh, you know, I think that's the good 36,000 foot view of Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, obviously, I want to get to everything you're doing with System 2 and just the innovation I feel like you're bringing to kind of this this personal training and, and fitness industry. But I want to go back. And because I think that there is there's so much power in learning the story and the why behind a business. And while on the surface, people might see something like system two and be like, Oh, cool, this is a, you know, a very kind of 2021, you know, techie, uh, San Francisco based startup that's talking about fitness. But when they really learn the why behind why you started this company and and yeah. the why behind you as a a founder is yeah. really really powerful and i mean that's the whole reason i started this podcast is to be able right. to get to the bottom of those stories and so yeah you know having grown up in sri lanka during a tumultuous time um yeah. you know and and one thing i know about you is that i mean your family's income was less than 20 dollars a month right and to go from that to then <laughs> having a scholarship to MIT, like as you kind of alluded to, like that's a big jump. That's a, not only are you jumping when it comes to cultural, uh, you know, just the cultural differences, but, you know, as you mentioned, the language barriers and just the rigor of the, I had a friend from high school who went to MIT and he actually ended up going on to, uh, he was like the, he wasn't the inventor of it, but he was like the one who developed the entire photo section of Facebook. <laughs> like oh, that's wow. the kind of person yeah. he was. Nice. Like that was like his brainchild. Yeah. Um cool. and then of course like as all San Franciscan Silicon Valley people do, they like work at Google or Facebook and then they like go on to work at some other like massive tech company. Anyway, right. so knowing like his kind of t- talking about cuz I remember at one point when I was in college I was like how's MIT and he was like it's hard. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, so anyway, so all that to say, what was it as a child 
where you're growing up in Sri Lanka that um, who, you know, you'd mentioned that it was a friend of a friend who worked at the U.S. Embassy. What was your kind of schooling and childhood like that these adults clearly saw something in you and Mm. saw this potential? What do you think that was? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I think it was several things. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I had this very complicated relationship with my father. He is this, you know, good, good man uh, who wants to put food on the table and, uh, you know, for his family and, and, and so on. But he was struggling to do that and, and partially because of the, the economic situation. And he was, his way of dealing with that was alcohol. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so he had, a, had an issue with alcoholism and, uh, and he would uh, get, uh, turn into like a completely different person on alcohol, you know, with heavy anger issues and so on. And there was like very intense a decent amount of domestic abuse happening mm. uh, as I was growing up in my uh, in my home, and uh, but at the same time, this is also the person that whose love I craved the most, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted him to, you know, care about me and and, and love me and, and see me right, and uh, so I, I distinctly remember this. Um, this was one year when I was uh, still in like second grade, maybe I somehow somewhat randomly, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're a child, uh, I, I kind of came top of class in one of those uh, end of the year exams. And, and my father was so proud of this. And he was, I remember him like telling uh, our relatives and his friends all, all about this. And, and, and that became my identity to mm-hmm. like, try to get there year over year so that I would get that recognition and and love, right? And so that led to me really doing really well in in school and and just winning a number of academic sort of competitions and and awards and and so on. And um, that's what eventually led to uh, this person at the U.S. Embassy noticing that that I probably had enough credibility built up to uh, apply to colleges in the U.S. Wow. You know, I think what you just shared, number one, thank you for sharing that. Um, but number two, there are, I think that's a story that a lot of people can relate to, is yeah. I think, w- number one, the phrase, I had a really complicated relationship with my father. Like, if I yeah. had a dollar for every time I've heard right. somebody say that, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm not saying that that's like a, uh, a good thing. I think it's just, right. a, unfortunately in a lot of situations, it's relatively yeah. common. And then I think too, this, this motivation to succeed so that you receive praise and love from this person that you care about and you look up to, like that is also a very Absolutely. common thing. And I think even in uncomplicated relationships, a lot of times we we find ourselves doing that. My sweet daughter, uh, who is seven, uh, yeah. she is the kind of person who like, I know that a lot of times her motivation to do something is like she wants to make me proud. And I have to remind yeah. her over and over again. I'm like, honey, like, I love you. And I'm proud of you, even if you don't do these things. But I, right. there's this like innate desire yeah. in us to do these things so that we receive love. And so um, 
I think, yeah, your story is not all that uncommon. Um, I know. I mean, there's a running joke in the Silicon Valley that all of these startup founders have daddy issues. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Okay. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. So you, you know, when you received the scholarship to come to come to MIT, I have to ask, like, what was it like? You're on that plane, you land, you're at MIT that first day. I mean, what, like, I yeah. tell me about that because I'm just, I, I can't imagine what that must've been like. You know, it was such a worldwide of a whirlwind of a, of a day and um, emotionally so intense. I, I do remember it quite vividly. There was all this excitement. I mean, just getting on a plane was really exciting. Mm-hmm. This idea of like flying, like it's just, you know, uh, this giant metal tube. If you have yeah. never done that before and if you only do it as like an adult almost, uh, yeah. you remember that quite well. And uh, and first day, there were, to be fair, they, they did a lot of things to try to onboard us and uh, especially the international students to, to lessen the culture shock. But in my case, I think the biggest challenge was the language because um, so to add some context, uh, I had never really used English to like communicate, you know, as a language, like speak uh, in English. I, I could understand written English um, reasonably okay, but but nowhere ready to uh, to begin what I had to do at MIT. And MIT, of course, didn't care about this because being <laughs> engineering school, they they just looked at my math scores, not my uh, my verbal SAT scores and uh, and so on, which were really really bad. But um, <laughs> I just I just remember sitting in my uh, my first class was chemistry, and um, I was sitting there in the lecture hall hall, and, and the class is going on going on, and I'm. I'm trying to not start like crying. Like I just like trying to hold my tears back mm. because I could barely understand what was going, like, just, you know, the words that was being spoken. Mm. And I was terrified that like, maybe, maybe the professor will ask me a question. Like, how am I going to answer? Like, I just, I just, you know, this is complete, completely being lost. And so, so that was, that was really challenging. And, um, what what happens though is is you 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 learn r- relatively fast, especially you when you just really have to uh, when you when you're forced to. Yeah. Uh, and and like your friend said, M- MIT is a very intense, intense and hard uh, place to to survive at. So uh, yeah, I mean, not everyone does survive that place. Uh, yeah. But but I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that, you know, fast forward a couple of years and you briefly mentioned that you had a professor who really saw you and in some ways I, I you know, mentored you, kind of took you under his wings, so to speak. Yeah. And um, there's a really powerful story that kind of that involves this professor um, that, that is, led yeah. to you finding fitness and, and exercise. Yeah, no, that is a beautiful story, uh, Molly, because I feel like a lot of us have some, in some way, this angelic person show up in, in your mm-hmm. life. And it's might be for just like a moment, but, um, but that, that really makes a big difference in your life. Right. In my case, I, I was going through a lot of depression, a lot of, a lot of struggling. My grades were bad. And I was just like hiding and not dealing with it and being extreme, extremely unhealthy 
And MIT especially also has, um, I mean, they already, there's a well-known thing that they have like a very high student uh, suicide rate, dropout mm-hmm. rate and stuff like that. There's a lot of mental health issues. And I was really going down that path a lot. What happened in this situation was two years in, I took a class with uh, one of these classes with this professor and, and I didn't get, get the grade at the end. And, uh, and instead he asked me to come see him and I show up the first time I really talked to him. Um, and, uh, and he was like, Dylan, it seemed like you're, you were doing really well at the very beginning of, uh, the, the semester, but your, your finals, you basically failed. You, you have, like I had, I was un- under so much stress. I had passed out during the final exam hmm. um, and my answer sheet was completely empty. And um, he was like, uh, well, you, you basically failed the class because you failed the finals. And, and uh, this looks very unusual, the, the way you're, you're dealing with this. And he suggested that, uh, that he was going to let me take the finals again, but under the condition that I seek help immediately. And in fact, he had booked time for me at the uh, psychiatric uh, uh, department uh, with a with a therapist uh, to meet with me. And, um, and he basically told me that he would only let me take the finals again if I see this therapist. And, um, you know, there, there are cultural... Like I grew up in South Asia and Sri Lanka, obviously, and uh, and and as, as a culture, people don't really look favorably upon uh, things like therapy mm-hmm. uh, in the society. So I, this was something that I probably knew that I should have done, but I was not open to it until this uh, this professor forced me to. So he he almost takes me by hand and and walks me to the the therapist's office, and they do an evaluation on me. And, um, and then they considered almost uh, uh, locking me up in one of those, uh, like, this person might be, you know, a danger to themselves kind mm. of situation. Then uh, they ended up not doing that. They ended up uh, setting me up with five days a week of therapy and some medication. And so this was like the, this huge turning point. And this is what this, uh, this individual, the, my professor, did forcing me to get the help that I needed. And then the second person that in that journey that made that big difference is my first therapist, Laurie, who really took me under her wing and, and helped me out in so many ways uh, over the next couple of years in my, uh, my college life. And, uh, you know, she got me to work out every day. One of the very first things that she did, because she believed that uh, physical health is, is really the, the first step towards mental health uh, well-being. And, and she was absolutely right that, you know, basically became the, the cornerstone habit in my life that's really helped me in so many ways since then. So, yeah, that was that was the turning point. And, and that became like a lifelong obsession to uh, to better myself and, and, and try to see if I could help uh, bring that same level of support to some other people. That story to me inspires I think two segments of people. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think what your professor did is an encouragement to, should be an encouragement to other professors, teachers, mm-hmm. coaches, mm-hmm. Um, even just like if you're an adult and you have a younger person in your life yeah. that you are 
a mentor to, or you have yeah. a, a bit of influence on. Yeah. The power in what he did by saying, I see you and I know that this that this thing on paper that says you failed, I know that yeah. that's not you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a second chance. But also, I see what you're struggling with. And we're going to get help together. That and as you said, I mean, that is a life changing thing. Yes. Had that professor not said, you know what, I'm going to give number one, give you a second chance. But number two, it's going to be on this, you know, with this stipulation that you get help and I'm going to make an appointment for you. That is so impactful. I mean, I I was a high school teacher in like a, what feels like another lifetime. And to know, like I've had some of my students who are now, you know, they're grown adults, married and have kids, which it feels weird that I'm like, how am I old enough that like my students that I taught when they were in high school are old enough to have like children and be married? That's very weird. It makes me feel very old, even though I don't think I'm old. Um, But when they reach out to me, you know, 10, 12 years later, and they say like, oh, Miss Buckley. And I'm like, okay, number one, my last name is not Buckley anymore. Two, you can call me Molly now. It's fine. And they'll just say like, hey, this this thing that you did for me or this thing that you said to me impacted me. And I remember it all these years later. Like that is such an encouragement. So I think both ways, one, letting that person who has impacted you know that they impacted you. And number two, like if you have influence over somebody younger and you see that they're struggling, help, help them. Yeah. Help them. That is very, yeah, that's a very astute observation, Molly. I uh, it reminds me of this. There's, there's, there's a lot of research in this area too. When you look at successful people, uh, what they almost always seem to have in common is someone. It might be someone who, like a really great parents who are always behind them, but oftentimes it's it's not even that, right? Like some people come from very struggling, uh, very very difficult backgrounds to go on to be successful. Yeah. But what's always almost always present in their life is some individual who believed in them in like this one of these pivotal moments and uh, and and saw them and and saw what was necessary for them and kind of directed in that, them in that direction there is a great book uh, called grit by angela duckworth yes uh, i love yes. that book fantastic yeah. book yeah and then she talks about this in her research where uh, she she saw that this is a common thread in a lot of uh, successful, highly highly motivated people. That having that uh, having that person who believed in them. I mean, yeah. And and if if all of us can be can be that person for someone, that would be amazing. But also, it just highlights even more uh, the importance of investing in in teachers, right? Yeah. Like teachers, professors, uh, coaches. These 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 are things that everyone needs. Yeah, exactly. And then the other segment of the population I think your story really speaks to is people who are in a similar situation to the situation you were in. And that's, I mean, we see so many people who are under just incredible amounts of stress. Um, Maybe they grew up in a home where like you didn't talk about your feelings. You didn't talk about what was going on in your life. Or maybe they come from a culture where it's like, no, you don't get therapy, you don't get help, you're fine. And they sweep these things under the rug and they run themselves ragged and they find themselves at a place where, like you you mentioned that they were like, is he a danger to himself? I mean, is he in a place where like he he needs legitimate, you know, serious, serious help? And so also your willingness to kind of buck the trend of what 
you know, your family and, and culture tells you of yeah. saying like, nope, you don't need help. You couldn't do this. And actually saying, okay, I'm going to get the help like that also, I think is really important. And, and we've seen this shift in the last few years towards being a little bit more open about talking about mental health yes. and physical health and spiritual health and how all those things are 100% mm-hmm. intertwined. And so I'd love to expand on that just a little bit you know, what that was like for you to really begin to put aside all of what you knew about getting help for your physical, mental, and emotional health and how you began to move forward with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm i able to openly, obviously, talk about it now. But yeah. at the time, it, it just, it was, it was a very difficult thing to admit that you even need help, yeah. right? And, and you have, you deal with a lot of shame and embarrassment. I mean, I didn't tell that I had seen a therapist for many, many, many years, certainly not while I was in college. I didn't tell anyone that I was seeing a therapist because I was embarrassed about it for whatever reason. And yeah. that had to, had a lot to do with, with cultural reasons and, and, uh, and, you know, coming across as someone who is maybe damaged or, yeah. or, or not, um, not perfect in some way. Yeah. So Yes, it's um, and like you said, I think I think the changes that we're seeing people being more forthcoming about talking about these issues, including celebrities, this this that will that will really help, I think. And and also, you know, if we can find ways to provide that kind of services uh, to, to more people at a at a you know lower cost cost point, I think that would make a huge difference in the world. I mean, you know, the fentanyl epidemic that we see today and like all kinds of uh, issues that are related to uh, mental health uh, is is often things that can be corrected if people have the help. What's happening today is people are pulled away from their communities, their their church, their, in various ways, and due to social media and, and so on, and just like a massive amount of isolation. Yeah. Uh, that that is that is leading to uh, really like a a mental health epidemic, I'd say, and uh, and that's something that we we all should really work on. Mm, yeah, it's it truly is something that I, I think the conversation around this topic is helping to to change lives. And obviously, like there are people that haven't been reached yet, and we need to continue these conversations. Yeah. Um, I almost kind of equate it to like as a parent when I have to remind my kids like 87 times the same thing I've already said. Um, right. But it's like that just drilling it in and eventually it's like, oh, it, it clicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so and and you obviously you mentioned that one of these kind of keystone habits that you developed during therapy and during um, kind of really working on your improving your health overall was fitness and you were yeah. introduced to this. And so I have to ask, like, was fitness or kind of exor- the exercise world at all something that you knew as a child or did is it or was it just kind of like you just played yeah. and that was like your exercise? Um, yeah. Was it really as an adult? Was that really more when you were introduced to this as a concept to taking care of yourself? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say largely it was definitely a concept that I was introduced to as an adult. And I, I should really, a lot of credit goes to my first therapist who, you know, one of the problems that we see with uh, mental health therapy right now is um, there is a, 
a bent towards uh, just prescribing people medication, right? Uh, like very quickly, almost almost too quick quickly sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is, medication does help, but it doesn't really change how you feel in the long run, right? Because you end up, you know, building adaptation to it, and and you need higher and higher doses and so on. And and what really helps with mental health is. Um, is fixing your core set of habits, yeah. both you know psychological habits and, and physical habits. And when you look at the research, I mean, this is extremely obvious. Uh, physical physical health, moving your body is the primary thing. Getting out, moving your body is the primary thing that makes people happy. Uh, it's just like it's so so clear. It's just that even even in the even among mental health professionals, it's rare to see uh, people really emphasize that, really focus on getting people to getting their clients, getting their um, patients to really holistically invest in them, themselves. So a lot of credit go, should go to uh, my therapist who, uh, you know, basically made me, made me go to the gym, yeah. <laughs> uh, figure out this. Yeah. And, and, you know, got me, got me running every day and, and all this stuff. And, and she was a bit, bit like an accountability coach to me. She was like, she'd ask me every time uh, that I see her, that if I did that every, every day this week and, if I miss a day, that's fine. But she was like very, uh, very encouraging, and 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 like you said, you you do things to make other people happy. And the, when there's someone on your ass uh, trying to make you, you know, <laughs> make sure that you work out, you you, you do something. Yeah. So yeah, that that was uh, that was really great of her. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Dylan to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Demain. And I love Damas so much that I actually have the founder, Julie Billingham, here with me to share a little bit more about why this ethical brand is so incredible. Julie? Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to partner with you and to be a part of this community that you've built. I mean, Deme is a sustainable footwear and fashion brand, and we have the steadfast commitment to creating authentic fashion and fashion accessories. And it's really our great honor to produce things that matter. And our Haitian craftsmen and women really take such pride in each handbag we make, each pair of sandals that we assemble. And um, we just love what we do so much. And we are, we're, we're proud to craft. And so thanks for having us. Absolutely. And for those of you who want to check out Demet, you can do so online at D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com. And you can use the promo code Molly, and that will get you 15% off your purchase. Now back to my conversation with Dylan Dane. So you developed this, obviously this keystone habit of fitness yeah. and your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health all started to improve. Yeah. Fast forward, you move to San Francisco, you start this company called Scoopler, you yeah. sell it to Google. <laughs> and then where did the idea for System 2 come? Because I know, again, that yeah. this whole story that we've been talking about is really the foundation for what even began the journey towards starting system two. And so it's like, it's like all these little steps that led you to that place and your vision and goal of bringing kind of personal training to everyone in the world. And that's like a very lofty goal, but I love your motivation behind it and the, the impact that it can have. And so Talk to us about where did you get the idea for this and yeah. what did that look like as you began to develop this company? Yeah. 
So uh, that Sinto really combines two big threads in my own life. Now we talked about the, the fitness side of things. And uh, the other thing that I've been really passionate about is artificial intelligence advancements in that I had the, I was fortunate enough to learn from some folks in the AI field who are called almost like father figures of uh, artificial intelligence at MIT. And that got me really interested in AI. And, um, and I did like, like a number of projects, worked on a number of projects throughout my career, related, very related to AI, including at Google. And um, it's this incredible, incredible technological innovation, uh, a tool that can really revolutionize a lot of sectors, as you know, there's been plenty of talk about, about AI. Um, and what I saw is that because of recent advancements in AI, especially with computer vision and, uh, and language models, there might be an opportunity to take services like, uh, like personal training and, and make that scalable, right? Like what if a trainer could train like 10 people or 100 people as opposed to just one person at a time uh, because we could give a trainer a thousand eyes as opposed to like just one set of eyes, right? Mm. That's what they would have. Um, So that was the initial thought. And um, obviously with with building a business, you just have to time it right. The technology needs to be mature enough to to build something like this, which it really wasn't possible even five years ago. But because of recent advancements in AI, now we have the ability, you know, the same technology that Tesla is using, for example, to build their, um, you know, self-driving technology that Tesla, Google, all those companies are using. You could use the same technology to look at someone and, uh, and know if they're doing a certain movement correctly. Right. And which is what a trainer does a lot of the time. And think about what, what, what a personal trainer does. They, they do really two things. They, they, they create a program for you and hold you accountable. They make sure that you, you, know, you show up at the gym, you, you do something at a, at a given time. And then the second thing that they, they do is that they look at you and they give you feedback. Mm-hmm. They, they make sure that you do what you, um, what you do correctly. So the, the thinking was that uh, we could use this, these advancements in computer vision and uh, give our trainers like many eyes uh, where through, you know, essentially through the user's mobile phones so that the, the trainer can see their clients, not just when they work out uh, in person, but, you know, at their own home or wherever while working out, while traveling, working out from a hotel room, uh, regardless of the situation, uh, you could create that one-on-one connection in a, in a remote, uh, remote manner. So that was, yeah, that was the thinking. And uh, yeah, I mean, I truly believe that we will, one of the coolest, one of the most exciting things about adva- advancements in the AI is that we will have certain services that are done today uh, uh, by humans delivered in an AI enhanced way. I mean, driving again is a great example. You know, if you like driving, that's great. But like, it's it's often a, a a routine task that people do, right? Ideally, no one will really have to be driving all the time. So, uh, so what if we can have artificial intelligence help us with that? And it's it's similarly, 
um, you could apply the same logic to uh, services all across the board. Whereas I am personally very passionate about services that can impact real human lives, like personal training, mental health coaching, meditation coaching, um, you know, diet, dietary coaching, stuff like that, uh, that can be delivered with the help of AI. Mm. Mm, yes. And that's what I think is so unique is that you combine this, your passion for technology. Obviously, you went to MIT, you live in Silicon Valley. So you clearly have a passion for technology and engineering and, and all of that. But then you also tie in this very personalized human to human one on one component. And it's like a perfect marriage of the two. And so you developed system two. So for people that maybe have never heard of it, how does it work? Yeah. Um, you know, Molly, I, I sometimes think, think that all problems are problems of loneliness, like, mm. you know, learning something or finding motivation to do something. Everyone does so much better when they are not struggling alone, when they have someone to edge them, them onwards, right? So that's what System 2 does. It get, gets you a coach, a trainer, and really a friend who helps you move forward in your fitness journey. They, they don't, you know, fitness was really not about like, you know, your body fat percentage or, or how good you look on Instagram or whatever. It's really about getting out there and moving, right? And, uh, and System 2 makes it possible for a coach to help you achieve that goal on a, on a day-to-day basis uh, and at a uh, even if uh, even if the coach client relationship in this case is remote, um, and the benefit of that is that we're able to provide the service at a significantly lower cost point compared to you know if you saw a trainer uh, even three times a week that would cost you probably a thousand dollars a month, and so we want to give you that level of if not better right like our coaches oftentimes talk to our clients almost every single day. Uh, using text messages. These relationships turn into friendships, really. And uh, now you have this friend who you kind of friend slash coach where you're really accountable to uh, to doing your daily workout. And, and that really motivates people to move. And so we're able to provide that service for uh, just you know $99 a month. So the way it works is you sign up, you go through an onboarding process, the coach learns about your specific needs. They design your custom program. And then from then on, uh, the coach designs you, assigns you workouts uh, for X number of days, the, the number of days that you commit to working out. But also even on, on off days, they will keep you motivated, uh, keep you feeling good and, uh, and hold you accountable on a day-to-day basis to, uh, for you to do what you commit to doing. Then when you do the workout, uh, you have the option to do it with uh, with your phone, where uh, you have the camera on, and uh, and and the phone uh, records a video of uh, of how you do the movement. And um, then the coach, your coach, will analyze that video using uh, with with some help from AI uh, on the very same day and give you feedback, make sure that you're doing your movement correctly, and uh, and let you know if you're doing something uh, something correctly. And yeah, and, and, and help you move forward again. So it all really boils down to having a figure in your life that helps you make the progress that you want to make yourself. 
And we provide that service um, at a at a very, very affordable cost point. When you think about, you know, the the value of uh, of having a good health, developing a habit and having a real human behind you, helping you out uh, throughout that journey. Um, it's a pretty remarkable experience and, and people are loving it so far. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to be honest, for $99 a month to get that kind of personalized relationship with somebody. I mean, I know at like my local gyms, a personal trainer is usually like anywhere from 30 to $50 a session. Right. So that can add up super fast. And then it's not like you're getting this, that support and accountability in between your workouts. That's really just like the person that you show up and they help you do your personal training like there. I mean, that's it. I mean, yeah. So everything that you're saying is just so invaluable and you're developing those habits and those routines that then become sustainable. And it doesn't, it's not this like quick, you know, like lose 30 pounds in 45 minutes. Like that's just not, you know, that's not sustainable. And um, you're, you're taking a much more holistic approach and, you know, it's so important too to factor in different people's, you know, just everybody is different and oh, yeah. everybody's metabolism is different. Everybody's, you know, people have injuries and, you know, what I'm able to do at almost 36 years old is very different than what I could do back when I was running half marathons. Right. I can't run half marathons anymore because half marathons destroyed my knees. And so now, you know right. what I mean? So, and then I've had many pregnancies. So like right. my body's just different in my mid thirties than it was in my early twenties. And so I think <laughs> taking those things into account and understanding yeah. your how different bodies work and and all of that is so important. And I think too speaks to what you were saying earlier. It almost removes that like that shame factor is so many mm-hmm. people avoid taking the steps that they need to get the help that they need, whether it be with fitness or, you know, physical, mental, like, because there's this yeah. like shame attached and they're yeah. afraid that somebody's going to be like, well, your BMI is right. at the obese level. And it's just like, well, that is an outdated metric. And so like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. um, anyway, I could go on like a whole rant about that, but <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, and you know, meeting you where where you are, and also focusing on just like like you said, focusing on um, very very uh, science based yes. approach approaches towards building habits, yeah. rather than uh, doing some you know one fancy workout, right? Like our right. focus is entirely on helping you build healthy habits so that you will be fit, you will keep moving for the rest of your life. Um, rather than just like getting some magical outcome in one session. And the other cool thing I want to mention is that you mentioned injuries, pregnancies. The cool thing about working with a product like us is that we have a team of trainers who are all very highly qualified with very, very a variety of experiences. We have trainers who are experts in um, training around um, pregnancies, like postpartum, pre, prepartum type of training. And then trainers who specialize in uh, training uh, older folks, uh, people recovering from injuries, and so on. So, so you can switch between trainers too, which is really cool. Yeah, your uh, circumstances change. Man, that is incredible, and I think is something that you know maybe there's somebody listening who is just like you know what this is something that I think would really work for me, and um, you know, and I think especially with so many people, like I mean, when 
COVID hit and all the gyms closed and all of a sudden everybody's like having to work out from home or trying to figure out a new routine. Um, because like I, you know, I'm a member at a local kind of like one of like, it's, I guess you would call it like a boutique fitness type place, yeah. um, group classes. And so for yeah. the last year, I've done all of my workouts on Zoom. And, right. um, you know, some people are like, oh, well, are you going to just quit? And I'm like, well, for me, I love the like, personalized the group setting even though it's on zoom but there's still like that level of accountability but to take that even further to have somebody there that's one-on-one and being like oh you know your form is off here or let's try this here let's adjust here i think that could really motivate somebody who maybe you know for the last year hasn't worked out since their gyms closed and Yeah. So how do people, if somebody's interested in trying it and they, you know, maybe they're a little nervous, like help ease some of maybe their anxiety for them on (laughs) why they should try it or how it works. Absolutely. I mean, uh, go to getsystem2.com and, uh, and, and sign up and um, you can try the product. Uh, There's a free trial uh, for for two weeks and uh, we can even extend that if you, if you don't feel like you've got enough of an experience uh, during that time. But within that, within that, those two weeks, you should, you would meet with the trainer, you would talk to them, you would get to know them, you would, you would have a a personalized plan designed uh, for a whole month at the very least. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy to go check it out. Um, there's no commitment. There's no contract. It's even if you, after you become a member, it's month to month. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, our, our highest priority is making sure every single person who signs up is incredibly happy with the product, which is what we're seeing so far, which we are very proud of. And so, yeah, go to getsystem2.com and, uh, and, and you, you know, you can sign up right away. Awesome. Okay, Dylan. Now is the portion of the show where I transition just a little bit and I ask some fun get to know you questions, even though we've been getting to know you for the last, you know, 45 minutes or so. Um, so Dylan, are you ready for the get to know you round? Do it. All right. So question number one is, what is your most unusual talent? My most unusual talent? I'm, I'm very good at uh, trusting people very quickly, I think. Oh, I, I like I, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and people find it strange sometimes, but I seem to connect with people and, and uh, build trusting relationships very, very quickly. So that's great. I, th- I love that. And I'm kind of the same way. So maybe that's why I love that. And that's awesome. Yeah. My husband <laughs> and I were talking about this the other day because like I can make friends with somebody in the grocery store yeah. very quickly. Like, <laughs> and just And yeah. I'm like, it's like we've known each other for like 50 years and meanwhile my husband is like not that way not that he's like standoffish but he's just not the kind of person who's gonna like strike up a conversation and like make best friends right away so i i love that that's a really good that is a talent because that's hard for people okay what is something that is really important to you but you never really get the chance to talk about it oh that is a good one let me think uh, I don't, so I, I usually don't feel like I have trouble talking about things that I'm interested in, <laughs> but uh, so that makes that makes it that makes it a little bit tricky. Maybe um, I don't know if it's talking about it so much, but you know, like as my parents are aging, 
just like wanting to spend uh, spend more time with them mm. and uh, and and preserving those memories. Really, yeah, like learning more about my parents. Maybe like that is something that I don't get to uh, yeah. get to talk about uh, at least talk to them about very often. Yeah. Yeah, man, I can relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. That's um, my mom died when I was in high school. And that's like one of my regrets is like, I mean, granted, I was a teenager. So I didn't I didn't know any better. But I think back and I go, man, there's so many questions that like I would have loved to have asked her and would have loved to have known and uh, things like that. So um, I like that. All right. So inevitably, there's going to be a movie made about your life because clearly there needs to be. So who's going to play you in the movie about your life? Who do you want oh, that's, to play you? <laughs> that one's easy uh, because I, I, I uh, a few years ago, I mean, you know, I was I was a big nerd. I've always been. I still am. Uh, but then I also decided that I need to become more stylish, and I wanted to become uh, pick a style icon, and and I picked Jake Gyllenhaal. And ah! <laughs> and, uh, and the funny thing is, uh, a, a a couple times people have remarked, like kind of randomly, that that like. I kind of dress like Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Um, so yeah, so that you know, that's, that's, fun. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, fun fact, fun fact: in January of two thousand and seven, I was in New York City. So I used to do in another lifetime. I used to do comedy, and um, I did improv and sketch comedy. And I was staying in New York City with my cousin who lives there. And it was a lifelong dream of mine to see Saturday Night Live um, Uh in person. And so I camped out. This is these are things that you do when you're like young and like don't have responsibilities. But I camped out all night in January in New York City. It's very cold. So I slept on the street, camped out all night to get tickets to Saturday Night Live. And the host was Jake Gyllenhaal. And I did get it. And so I got to go to Saturday Night Live. I got to see it in person. And Jake Gyllenhaal was the host that night. So I don't remember who the uh, musical guest was, but that doesn't matter because it was Jake Gyllenhaal was the host. Right. So yeah, <laughs> well, Maybe, that's fantastic. I love that yeah. so much. Okay. If you were in another life to become a professional athlete, okay, uh, what would your walk-up song be? Like, what's the song that plays that hypes you up? Oh, my God. Um, probably We Will Rock You by Queen. (laughs) Well, I'm a huge Queen fan. So, yes, Dylan, we're clearly like meant to be friends. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is perfect. That is so perfect. Even my kids love that song. They like that. My kids love Queen. We listen to a lot of Queen in this house and my kids are always like, Alexa, play Queen. Um, anyway. Okay. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, Dylan, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? You know, Steve Jobs talked about putting a dent in the universe. And to me, that is having impact on real people's lives, Mm. right? There's a lot of businesses that you can run that, uh, does make money, does build a great organization, but oftentimes you don't see the 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 real impact on on individuals. And I really care about that. I really care about how we, even if it's a small change, uh, how we 
leave a small positive change on on one person's life maybe a hundred people maybe like a thousand people if you're lucky right so yeah i think i think seeing that change is uh is is a key thing for me and I mean, yeah, Sim2 is great in that sense because I have like some of my closest friends using the product and, and getting in great shape. So I definitely get that. That's awesome. Dylan, this was such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for how uh, openly you share uh, your story and how you kind of came to where you are. And I know that you are going to have an impact on a lot of people's lives. Thank you very much for having me, Molly. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.